Spirit Radio Podcasts. There's a referendum coming up and people are being encouraged to get informed on the issue of abortion in advance of the referendum on May 25th. Our next guest is involved in a lesser known field of study that looks at one potential health effect for women who have had an abortion, and that's a potential link with breast cancer. He's a professor of biology and endocrinology at uh, in New York, and he, in the studio, he's with me now to tell us more. We have Dr. Joel Brind. You're very welcome to the show this minute, morning, Dr. Brind. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. Well, it's really uh, an interesting study that you've done. Can you tell us about yourself and your field of study? Well, I have uh, been in medical research, actually, for a little over 46 years. I've been a professor of biology, human biology and endocrinology at the City University of New York for 32 years. And I've been uh, in including uh, breast cancer research among the areas that I've researched since the early 1980s. And uh, I came upon this link in uh, 1992, actually. Uh, when uh, an article came out in the science news about how pregnancy protects against breast cancer. And I had known that since the early 80s uh, when the World Health Organization had established that a full-term pregnancy actually lowers a woman's risk of breast cancer in the future. But if that pregnancy is interrupted by abortion, it goes the other way. And that partial pregnancy, that interrupted pregnancy, actually increases risk rather than decreases risk. And I realized that in that period between the early 80s and the early 90s, a number of papers had come out, but nobody knew about it. It seemed to be uh, politically incorrect information, if you will, because most other things, when you have a, a handful of papers that say, hey, this increases the risk of breast cancer, it's not exactly kept secret, but this issue is. And you notice I'm talking about something that goes back to the to the 1980s. In fact, the original, the first paper that actually showed an increased risk of breast cancer among women who had an abortion was published in Japan. It was a nationwide study in Japan published in 1957. So we're going back over 60 years now. And of course, abortion was neither common nor legal in many parts of the world. And now there is an explosion of evidence. And my colleagues and I have now published our latest paper, which is a, uh, a summary, a uh, what we call a systematic review and meta-analysis, a summary of all the data that's come out of South Asia, India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Bang- Bangladesh in the last 10 years. And that shows that women, uh, women there have actually 150% increased risk of breast cancer if they've had one or more abortions. So you... Um you, you got into this research, and uh, this is what you have found. Um, how would you interpret the data for, like, say, a common person, somebody who's listening to the radio right now that's not in the medical field, that's just, um, you know, has no medical background? How would you interpret the data for them to understand it? Well, uh, basically, there are two, two different things that are going on. If you have an abortion, you are, of course, preventing the completion of that pregnancy, which would lower your breast cancer risk. So it's going to be higher than it would have been if that pregnancy were carried to term. In addition, because of the partial pregnancy stimulating the growth of the breast tissue but not bringing it to complete differentiation into milk-producing organs, uh, the breast cancer risk goes up even further than that. So, for example, if we take, say, uh, a teenager who's uh, pregnant, 15 or 16, doesn't want to be, looking for a way out, Um, If she has an abortion 
and uh, you know follows the advice to have an abortion, go on with her life, meet Mr. Wright, start a family maybe when she's uh, in her 30 or so, and then starts having children then. Uh, the difference in her risk of getting breast cancer between uh, having the abortion and having the child and maybe giving it up for adoption when she's a teenager is about triple. Instead of having maybe a 5% risk of getting breast cancer during her life, it'll be about 15%. Okay. Okay. So in the a quick research on the internet shows that there are very diverging opinions among medical, pe oh, medical yes. people on this issue. <laughs> yes, this, is this natural that cancer can have so in this nature it, it's natural for cancer to have so many potential causes, is it? Or um why do so many people disagree with the research? Well, it's politically incorrect as I said. I mean, uh abortion is supposed to be safe for women. And this goes against the grain. It's obviously not safe for women. It, it does cause breast cancer. It's one of the contributing causes of breast cancer. And although many people will say, uh, well, there was some evidence, but it's been disproved, or there isn't any good evidence, or there is even no evidence at all, what I understand some people who are advocating a yes vote on the uh, referendum are saying. Uh, in fact, if you really look at the literature and you understand it, uh, it's been proven over and over again that there really is this link because it, it, everywhere you look, everywhere around the world, originally, as I said, in Japan and then in the States in the 1980s and in Europe, it was proved. And more recently in China, another systematic review came out uh, just a couple of years ago in 2013 showing that women in China had about a 40 44% increased risk of getting breast cancer over it was over what it was and everyone knows oh yes there's an epidemic of breast cancer in China lots of hand wringing by the US National Cancer Institute for example oh my what what's causing this tremendous increase of breast cancer in China well the one child po child policy it's abortion everywhere abortion being exported now to Asia and South Asia and it's showing up with an explosion of studies largely locally um, generated in hospitals and institutions in those countries, which show it over and over again. Well, in, in medicine, um, you know, I, I don't know a lot about it. I'm not a doctor, but from what I understand, it takes a long time to change an opinion about something. It's not, it takes lots of years of research. How long do you think it will take before there's a consensus on this issue? Will it take decades? Will it take longer? Well, it's already taken decades, and there's more denial about it and less general awareness about it than there was 20 years ago uh, because it's it's different than other issues however it is true in a sense that whenever there is a, a, a change in paradigm a paradigm shift a, a change in the prevailing dogma uh, it typically does take decades uh, and it doesn't happen because there is sort of some gradual shift in consensus I mean usually uh, those who are advocating the new idea the new conclusion of research are, are ridiculed, sidelined, uh, discredited, uh, and all of that. But here, it's that way in spades. And so there is a, a, the, the uh, main institutions that are the, recognizes the authorities as to what causes cancer in the world. Uh, U.S. National Cancer Institute, American Cancer Society, the World Health Organization, Oxford University. These organizations have actually spearheaded a cover-up that goes back to at least 1982. And what further work do you think needs to be done to have more confidence in the finding of potential health risk? How do you convince people of what you're finding? 
Well, that's a very good question. I haven't found the secret. All I can do is science. I'm is, I'm a scientist. I'm I'm not a, a politician. I'm not an an abortion or an anti-abortion activist in in uh, talking about all of these uh, connections. I'm just trying to get the facts out, and it, it's it's not easy because, as I say, the research keeps moving along. There's more and more studies every year from different places in the world that show there is a connection. At the same time. There is biologically more understanding about what causes cancer. Uh, we know more about the hormones and about the development of the breasts and about exactly what stage. So, for example, what I said a few minutes ago about uh, 32 weeks being the magic time. Maybe I didn't say it on the air, but actually the, the magic time of terminating a pregnancy is 32 weeks. So that when, when a woman becomes pregnant, her breasts start to grow. And the more they grow, the more places there are for cancers to start. Until about 32 weeks in the third trimester, when the breasts become what we call differentiated, now they become milk-producing organs, which permanently reduces the risk of breast cancer. So now we know, for example, how that happens and that 32 weeks is the magic point. So, for example, even in cases where women may be Maybe they have breast cancer or some other form of cancer and they want to uh, move up the pregnancy and deliver a, a live baby early. If they do it at like 30 weeks, that's disastrous. They should at least wait to 32 weeks because we know that a woman, let's say, who has a live birth at 28 or 30 weeks has the same effect as having a late-term abortion on the development of breast cancer. So we're learning more and more about the biology, the specifics, the molecules involved, and yet there is this, this disconnect, which, as I say, is, it's clearly political. And the last thing I want to do is get into a political con controversy, but that's what this has turned out to be. I was, I was uh, involved in breast cancer research before I ever came across this. Okay, and so where would you recommend people go to get more information on this topic? I mean, you've you've said it's it's contentious; people disagree on it. There's, uh, there, 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 there. So it becomes difficult. I think one of the things that people is finding difficult in listening to this whole uh, issue of what we're dealing with in the referendum is who do you trust? Who? Where do you go for the information? One person's saying something; another person is saying exactly the opposite. Um, where do people go to? Well, get okay. All I can recommend. Thank you for. Uh, giving me that opportunity because uh, in 1999, I and, and uh, some other physician colleagues uh, formed the Breast Cancer Prevention Institute back in the States. We have a very nice website. It's called BCP, for Breast Cancer Prevention, bcpinstitute.org. And there you can find lots of information, including many, many peer-reviewed references. And these, although they are denied, as I understand from what I can see in, in what's going on politically in this referendum. There are you know, denials that there is any evidence. Clearly, you can see a very long paper trail of peer-reviewed evidence. And that's, that, can give, uh, that can give voters certainly some idea as to the veracity of the statements that they're hearing. I mean, if somebody says, oh, there's no evidence at all, really? Well, <laughs> if you have scores of papers that, that say it is, that have been published in, uh, in very fine journals, I mean, our, the first... Uh, comprehensive review and meta-analysis of the field that I published with my group was in 1996 in the British Medical Association's uh, Epidemiology Journal. And it was written up in the RCOG's Guide on the Care of Women Seeking Induced Abortion. And they gave, uh, they gave um, a very good uh, support for the paper as being methodologically sound. 
They said it could not be disregarded at the time. And of course, since they've disregarded it and their uh, more recent bulletins uh, now say basically there is no risk, but you can't can't really undo it. So we, we provide the opportunity for people to see what's actually been there, what what the medical authorities have actually said over the years, and you can see that, that many of them are just not telling the truth. Now, today you're going to be giving a talk in Dublin. Tell us about that. Yes. So I'm, I'll be giving a talk at, well, I've forgotten the name of the venue now. It's, but... <laughs> uh, it's the Montclair Hotel. Montclair Hotel, right. And I'll be, I'll be giving a talk about this issue in more detail and I'll be focusing more on what we're finding out now because our new study as I said is about South Asia where the uh, where the influence of abortion on breast cancer is like two and a half fold that's because breast cancer there was pretty rare until recently only about two percent of uh, women uh, lifetime risk because the difference is in South Asia, where the typical woman got married as a teenager, started having kids right away, had a lot of them, breastfeeds them all, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. There are very little in the way of causes of breast cancer outside of abortion. And so the effect of abortion is to really blow up that risk from, say, 2% to 5% lifetime. So it adds, I would say, to put it in sort of very simple statistics, you could say that it adds about 3% to a lifetime risk. If a lifetime risk is 10% because of all other causes of breast cancer, it would raise it to 13. If it's 2%, it raises it to 5%. So it adds a very real significant risk depending uh, on what other risk factors there are, but you see it everywhere. Low-risk places, high-risk places, you always see abortion adding to that risk, and it's really undeniable, though it be denied. Okay. Well, you're you're speaking today in the Montclair Hotel in Dublin, too, so if people are in town for some reason this afternoon, you're going to be talking from 3 p.m. to uh, 6 p.m.? I, I had heard it was 4. 4? Okay. Yes, okay, 4, four yeah. o'clock. We'll correct that. I have 3 here, but four from 4 to 6 at the Montclair Hotel in Dublin, too. So if you find yourself in town this afternoon and you're looking uh, for some information, good place to come along, too. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks and, again and for sharing, having me on. sharing your information. Dr. Joel Bryant is a professor of biology and endocrinology in New York. And uh, thanks for taking the time this morning. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to our Spirit Radio podcast. Don't miss out. Subscribe today. Find out how at spiritradio.ie.